go. We are recording now. And George down a little bit because it's coming through a bit loud. I have a, I have a loud mouth. Oh, you don't have to adjust yourself on your end. I'll, I'll change it on mine. That's fine. Right. So, we ready? Ready. Hey. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Big Boss Battle, Big Boss Babble. Here with me this week, we have Dan. He doesn't want to reply. Okay. And we have George. Hey. What happened to Dan? <laughs> not hear me. No. You were silent. Definitely said hello. All right. Well, you're here now. That's good. <laughs> we're off to a great start. <laughs> Master uh... Tony's not with us this week. He's off visiting PAX in Australia. So good luck to Toby, and I hopefully have uh, some good things to tell us next week. So, uh, to start things off, this week is, uh, is actually a, a, a topic that Toby put in. It's just It just simply says, indie games doing very well on Switch. And, well, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, really are. Yeah, I think that's kind of like a, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, I mean, some developers have come out and they've, and they've basically said they've sold more on Switch than they have on anything else. Well, that makes sense because... Well, PC's a bit of a cluster fluff, you know. You know, <laughs> let's be honest here. the The Steam storefront is flooded with thousands of games every day now, and other digital distributions are as, a mess as much as they are. So it, it makes sense because the Nintendo Switch has a smaller library and it's a lot more focused right now, at least. Yeah. Although I do think that this news piece was possibly hinting at the fact, isn't it? Something like there's 200 games on the Switch now. Yeah, there's over 200 Switch games. When I read that, I was amazed. I didn't realize. 200 is still easier, easier to navigate than you know, 7,000, whatever they have on Steam. Yeah. But, I mean, it's incredible for a system that's only been out, what, six months, seven months? And they've got that much already. True, yeah. Uh, and they're curated as well, I think, is, is worthy of note. The fact that they're not just random random games that Nintendo have said yes to. Yeah, it's great. I mean... It, it came to the front when last week when it was on on their day day release, which was I think it's Wednesday, is when they mostly do their games. Like fifteen games came out on one day. Uh, my question is: Is will it last? I think that's. I wonder if that bubble is going to pop or. Well, I mean, these, it's it, it, it's not going to last ultimately because as they add more and more, I think it'll it's going to kind of spread out their that you know that that catalog. I don't know. I, don't, I, I think the bubble will pop. Um, possibly. But but like Dan said, it's it is a curated collection. It's not. It's never going to get to the the level of Steam, where you know it's it. You know you your hundreds and hundreds of games are going up every day. Most of them being utter crap. I do think we are going to reach a point where you know we start getting people saying, "Hey, everyone said that the Switch version of their game was selling the best, so we didn't do any marketing, and now we're bankrupt." I think it's not going to be long before we see somebody with one of those post-mortems that you went again there never mind <laughs> um also I, th oh. I think we will see obviously like, like again like dan said it's curated but i, I think we are going to see a downturn in the amount of stuff that nintendo lets through as we're now seeing the triple a stuff really pick up well i mean are, are they going to add like yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think they'll definitely, obviously, want to keep an eye on what they're adding. But are they going to add their entire, you know, Wii catalog of games? All those weird games that you could buy. All those, there's like hundreds of games on those on the Wii if I remember you could buy. To be honest, um, with, with with all that stuff, I don't think they're going to do Virtual Console in the same way. 
I don't think Virtual Console is going to be built into the eShop. I think it's actually going to be a separate app entirely. That's interesting. Because um, I mean, they're, they're obviously, there's rumours that when you when you're getting the paid stuff, you're you're going to get certain games as part of your subscription that way. And I, at the moment, I wouldn't be surprised. What we, you know, because this, at least with the Switch, Nintendo have almost flipped themselves completely 180, and are, are generally doing things a lot different to what they used to be. This is a, a new Nintendo. This is not the old school Nintendo. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went. I hate to use the term games as a service because I hate it. But if they just they turn the Virtual Console in a kind into a kind of Netflix kind of situation. So you go, here's the virtual console, here's 200 games. You pay this much a month, you've got them all. PlayStation has a similar service, actually. It's yeah, called, they've got uh, PlayStation Now, and you've got Game Pass right. on Xbox. Right, yeah. So, so every, everyone's got them. But I think with the virtual console, there will be a massive, massive, you know, they've got there's a massive library already there. It, it would be, it's it's a good idea, we'll, but I, I think it'll all depend on the price. I, it's a very interesting concept, though. And also, I don't know whether you heard, but there's a NES emulator built into the system already. I did hear about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone just poked around in the code and just found it, and they found a way to instigate it, and it, it's golf, randomly. Nintendo Golf is just already, already built into the Switch firmware. It's quite weird. So let's uh, let's move on to our, our next topic, one that Dan doesn't know about. He hasn't read up on this. Uh, have you read up on this, George, the Activision matchmaking situation? Uh, is this the, the patent they filed? Is that what we're talking about? Yes, the patent. Yeah, I heard about it. Right. Slimy so, bastards. <laughs> for for Dan, so this was a patent that was found out. It was actually filed back in 2015, um, and it is a patent which will specifically match make poorer players or lower end players with players that have spent money on items in the game to basically cause the the lower end players to become jealous and want to buy the higher tier items. So it's a matchmaking system specifically built to get money off of people. It's 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 a patent. It's not necessarily mean anything. It it's ultimately that's and that's kind of the, the bottom line of it. It it's just a patent. It does it is sounds shady and it does sound like exactly something they probably would want to do the bastards. But to keep in mind that it is just a patent right now yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like they, and they have gone on record and said that it's not currently in any of their games, but they've also not said we're not putting this into any of our games, which I think is what yeah. everyone wants them to say. But it, it is, it, you know, what the thing is, what, what's really disgusting about it is it's very, um, very predatory. I yeah. guess is the best way to describe it. It's very, it's, it's just, it's really kind of getting creepy now. The way they're going after people and. It's like those targeted ads, and now it's this, and it's just, it's getting very um, shady, very shady. <laughs> it is. It comes back to the whole, you know, loot boxes are gambling and all that, all the that current sphere of crap that's going in, in among the AAA games at the top of the pyramid, the games as a service, as they like to be called now, at least on a professional level, which is completely awful. Right, but as as the, and the thing is, is I think as, as they keep evolving this, as they keep adding these kinds of these tactics and these these algorithms to try to target people, I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot eventually because someone's going to be like, "Hey, 
all this crap you put in sure it looks like gambling <laughs> you know it's there i think this is if they do do this and they continue down this path i think it's something that is going to shoot them in the foot it's something that's going to screw them over in the end yeah i know i agree they're gonna they're gonna keep pushing it until something snaps and then it will just all get wiped out oh so, yeah i completely agree with you on that so dan now you know what it is what's your what's your thoughts on mute at the moment gone here he is there he is my thoughts sorry i was just muting this game that i had just turned on so i so you didn't get a sudden bout of music when i started talking as much as i would like a a theme tune am i coming through clear yeah you're good i don't know what happened earlier my apologies uh yeah i agree with george on this one i think that they're just painted it so that somebody else can't do it ea have done this many times sony have done this microsoft have done this uh I do think, however, that stuff like that hasn't happened thus far. Uh, yes, a kind true. of like reverse matchmaking, as it were, because when you've got a big series like uh, or something like that, which obviously Activision is in ownership of a lot of games that are big series, uh, when you've got a big series like that, once people have bought it, a lot of people will do automatically because of the name. You You can then... Or sorry, you don't have to care necessarily what they do next. So with Activision, they're always going to have amount of sales on day one for a lot of their biggest series. They release Diablo Four, they know they're going to get a lot of sales. Uh, they release a new Starcraft or the new part of Starcraft or a new Call of Duty, they're going to get a lot of sales. So it it it's surprising that previously manipulated the matchmaking system to encourage players to buy some more loot boxes or unlocks and buy some more microtransactions. More than... As I was saying, a good question also, uh, just to kind of, I mean, kind of counter what I said earlier, is do you think that there's any games that already have this going on? I think in Uh, a way there probably is. I mean, to be honest, I generally don't play any online shooters and if a game's got a loot box system, I'll pretty much avoid it like the plague. But it would not surprise me if this kind of stuff's already happening. I mean, Activision with Call of Duty, uh, for years and years and years, people have were going on and on at them about peer-to-peer servers, about how how matchmaking works and stuff like that. So there were a lot of YouTubers who would deliberately go into a match and just stay out of the way and just get a nice low kill death ratio, something like one, even though they're even though they're really good. And so they could just do kind of like 14 kills and then not die and then the match ends or whatever. They were going in and getting these lower scores to artificially lower what type of people they were up against. Yeah. They'd also play at certain times of day. Uh, the American, A bunch of American schools kick out at that time or you, know, or you play during half term because you know a bunch of kids will be online. And so people were already abusing the algorithms that were put in place to try and create a fair match, which I appreciate is the opposite of the question that I was just asked. Yeah. No, but I thought that, that was very interesting nonetheless. So, for instance, my uh, my sister uh, really likes Overwatch, and so she's torn when it comes to events, because with big events, obviously, you get lots of cool stuff for your characters, but at the same time, you get a bunch of inactive accounts suddenly reactivate and so all of the rooms get flooded with these people that don't play as a team and are not experienced at playing the game 
and have quite the same matchmaking as as other games and so and so she's a bit torn because she doesn't want to play with these uh old teammates that wouldn't act like teammates but then yeah, obviously she wants to call stuff as well so yeah certainly a tricky situation it's it's i mean balancing a game an almost impossible task that's why i believe that uh, when people say games should be for everyone i don't think they should there's going to be games that, that is not for you accept it and move on that's yeah that's an interesting take we'll have to do a conversation on that at some point i mean i i argument of games should be for everyone does and doesn't work it all depends on when people draw the line as to when they decide that a game isn't for them but we'll we'll cross that bridge or in my opinion at least yeah, but we'll cross, I mean, yeah. cross that bridge at a later point i mean just to bring up a, a small point on it obviously i'm not you know, when I say games aren't for everyone, I'm not going out of my way there to say, well, if you've got a certain disability, you shouldn't play this game. I'm not saying that at all, but, you know, like like me, if if a game is purposely hard, like Dark Souls or Cuphead, I know it's not for me and I'm just going to move on. Agreed. Uh, it's a, it is very much a, diff, a discussion on difficulty. Uh, at least that's the, the, the main reason I see it turn up. Uh, is a discussion about difficulty and uh, the inclusion of story modes. So I actually think that's quite a good idea, uh, and the kind of kid mode and stuff like that from from years back. But uh, yeah, that we'll save that for. <laughs> we should save that for a special. Yeah. Okay. Right. So next up, we add have... that to the Christmas special, pal. Yeah, Christmas special. <laughs> Christmas special, six hour podcast. Oh dear God. <laughs> Broadcast live at the same time as the Queen's speech. Yeah, I know which I'll be watching. <laughs> right, so next up we've got a, a question that George put forward, which is, uh, what game have you played that touched upon real issues? George, if you want to take this one away. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is in relation to a, I, I hate, I'm going to plug myself, but hey, you know, uh, a review for Mortician's Tale that I did recently. It'll be going up on the website soon, um, bigbossmetal.com. <clears throat> but uh, basically... <laughs> Uh, the, the the thing that I wanted to ask you guys because it was kind of something that kind of struck me and it made me think about things is that their games games have an amazing ability to kind of uh, touch upon very serious subjects. There's there's games like Gone Home, uh, Papers Please, This War of Mine. There's a lot of games that kind of touch upon realistic aspects, realistic issues, and very uncomfortable things as well. But Mortician's Tale touched upon death in particular, uh, and it kind of, it kind of wanted to make you think. And um, I, I wanted to discuss with you guys what games have you guys played, perhaps, that had a similar effect that had made you think about a particular uh, a subject that maybe you were uncomfortable about but was explored in a, in a good way or maybe in a bad way, it doesn't really matter, in a video game. Yeah, I must admit, I, when I read this, I, I struggled to think. The only one I could think of was one that you brought up, which was Gone Home, which is uh, obviously, I, obviously I couldn't... Yep. Um, associate myself with it not being a young lesbian girl but i could see where they were going with it and it was dealt with in a in a rather interesting way absolutely absolutely yeah it's, it's definitely one of those games that yeah, I, I love when games kind of just draw those emotions out of you that you're like oh you know that you don't it's even though if you're not necessarily related to the situation if you you know it does it, when games could draw an emotion out of you that is completely unrelated to you in that way but still kind of impact you. I think that's really something kind of awesome and that's kind of one of the things that I love about video games in general when they have that kind of power to do that and I don't find that happening a lot in the AAA industry 
but I see that a lot in the indie indie game industry, and that's one of the reasons why I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you tend to find that you know in, in a lot of the big AAA games, there's not really enough space to explore those kind of things. And uh, I've actually just thought of another one that was quite deep, uh, which was I think the original Wonder Room, which was Dear Esther, which was you were just listening to this story, and I must admit, I I can't even really remember the storyline to it now. But I remember, you know, experiencing that game when it when it first came out, and you know, it, it it was quite sad listening to the story of that game. But yeah, it 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 really hit me. But and, and you know, there's there's like you said, there's Gone Home, Dear Esther, um, everyone's gone to the Rapture, which was another interesting one. There was a lot of interpersonal play and relationship issues going on in that one, which was very interesting. But I just don't think they can do it in a AAA game because there's there's too much call for action. Most people don't, don't want that slow, low-paced storytelling. They want to shoot people. Well, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think uh, obviously AAA games—they don't, they don't. It's to be, let's be frank here—they don't have the balls to take a risk like that. And I think that's also a little bit of a shame because I think that if they did, there there is something that could be something phenomenal there under the surface. That if they did have the balls to kind of you know, explore, and if they did take a chance on, and it was done right, I think would blow people's lids off. It would just blow people's brains if they did have the balls to take that risk. Yeah, I guess the the closest you could probably get to almost a AAA uh, developer doing it would be someone like um, Telltale and their um, adventure series games, like the Walking Dead yeah. series of games. Some of those decisions you had to make in that game were hard to make. Because you really right. started to feel for those characters. Absolutely, and I think that actually that's a really good example because you know a lot of people connected with the the first episode of The Walking Dead with um, you know the little girl and I forgot his guy's name. Leah. Uh, uh, but yeah, he, he basically Leah. Lee had to basically kind of you know spoiler alert, but he you know he died at the end and then he had to tell this little girl. Yes, he did. Sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. He, he didn't die. Yeah, he died. Yeah, Look, he died then. you'd go pale if you had to cut your arm off. Lose <laughs> a lot of blood. Death denial. He didn't die. Okay. I cut my arm off and bled everywhere. I'd go a bit pale. You know, there's no kind of. He didn't turn into a. Uh, he's still alive. Wasn't he bitten by like 15 zombies at that point? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it, he was. He was bitten once. He was bitten once on the hand. Okay. Okay. Well, anyways, but that game had a lot of emotional impact with people. So, uh, what what games did you experience, Dan? Seeing how you're you're talking about that. Uh, it, it is this as in something that has summoned up emotions within me, or something that has awoken and it's given me an awareness of a different whatever you like. Oh, I tend to get quite engaged in games anyway. Uh, well-written characters are few and far between in the games industry, although we are getting away from ridiculous army men stereotypes now. Uh, uh, walking simulators, exploration puzzle games uh, tend to do a good job, as Terry mentioned earlier. Uh, Dear Esther was extremely poignant. Uh, even Never played it. I, I... Uh, it's, it's hard to discuss the story. Uh or it can be discussed. Basically, uh, somebody lost <laughs> somebody uh, somebody lost their partner. Oh, that sucks. They've become obsessed with it, and they've they travel to an island. I think they found out the reason behind all of it, and and they go from looking to find somebody to blame 
and they explain the story and they found their person to blame, but then they start finding these parallels in this kind of mystery that always ties back to this island and and it's kind of half lunacy and half loss. Uh, and there's there's a good there's a really good twist in there that I'm not going to get into, but it's a really really good game and it's a it's an anti first person shooter. I was speaking with Dan Pinchbeck uh, of the Chinese Room uh, about the game uh, when they ported it over to the consoles, and and he said what we wanted to do is we wanted to make the reverse of a corridor shooter. We wanted uh, we didn't want be this little thing that happened uh between doorways we we wanted a game to be led by the story and we wanted the environment to tell the story and trigger these moments and and they did a really good job and while the while none of the characters i suppose were particularly sympathetic it was still a story being told it was still a, our narrative is delivered in games and think about things differently I, I I regret I regret not playing that game. I've heard nothing but good things about it now, and hearing you talk about it makes me want to play it more. So, I also thought mm-hmm. of one more. Uh, I thought I forgot about To the Moon. That game made me cry, like just cry, cry, cry. <laughs> I have heard similar of To the Moon. I've heard people were emotional game. So, oh yeah, it's it's a it's quite. And the other thing is, it, it kind of starts out kind of a similar way to what you were describing. It's kind of a mystery, and then it. Kind of evolves more and more, and then it's a really good game. Yeah, I must admit, I've just thought of another one as well, and I don't know if either <laughs> of you have played it through to the end. And that was Scanner Sombra, the experimental game done by. Um, Ooh, I just oh, got what's, that. Uh, what's, the, what's the company that made Prison Architect? Yeah, Prison Architect. Introversion. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, it's, it, it, like like the Arresto. I mean, the Arresto I went through in 45 minutes. Scanner Sombra wasn't probably much longer. It's it's not a long experience. But when I hit that ending, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit surprising. I won't say anything if George has only just got it. Yeah, it I, I, now, now I got some games I want to play. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just an aside on Dear Esther, um, the, the version I played was was actually the, the Source mod. So it was basically a Half-Life mod. Um, and as, as a complete counterpoint to the game... It's fun to boot that map up in Gary's mod and play Deathmatch on it because it's an absolutely enormous <laughs> and fantastic-looking <laughs> island and then just running around killing each other on it is quite fun. Always goes back to killing with Terry. There. <laughs> <laughs> right, so next up we have EA, the Evil Alliance. Dun-dun-dun! They shut down <laughs> Visceral Games and completely destroyed what was looking to be a fantastic Star Wars game. This is one for you again, George. Oh, this is me? Oh, I thought we were, I thought this was going to be you. Okay, fine. Well, um, I've yeah, got I've, things to say about it, but you put it on the list. So <laughs> well, I mean, there, there was actually a recent update about this, and uh, they basically kind of described the, the, the things that they expected from Visceral. They're like, we want this above a Metacritic level of 90. They didn't give them enough workers. They didn't have enough people to kind of get the game out. It, apparently it was just a mess from beginning to end uh, what they did to poor Visceral here. And then one of their own people, one of the people that worked at Visceral uh, well, uh, basically said that it was a mercy killing, essentially them shutting down the company because of how abysmal things were, really. And it's just kind of sad and just, just 
it really like really sucks. <laughs> it does. It, it not good to see company. I mean, to be honest, I I don't even think I've ever really played a a game by Visceral Games. I wasn't a big fan of the Dead Space games. They weren't really my kind of thing. Um, but I I can see why they would have been very popular, well loved games. And but I've, I mean, the thing that annoyed me most about this is you had that sort of. I don't know whether it was a leaked statement or, or whatever it was, but they was they, EA basically said, well, this is going to be single player. We don't want that. We want multiplayer. We want it as a games as a service. You know, they wanted, you know, loot boxes and DLC and all that kind of stuff just shoveled into the game. It's, it's stuff like that. That's, it's going to destroy so many more games in the future if this if this kind of behavior continues. And on that, obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the, the complete counterpoint to it being uh, ID slash Zenimax coming out and proudly saying Wolfenstein 2 is single player only. We will not be putting multiplayer in it. There's no loot boxes. There's none of this, none of that, none of the other. It's a full-on single player experience. Here you go. And I applaud them for that. Yeah, I heard about that. That was pretty awesome, yeah. <laughs> They've been hitting it out the park with their, with their advertising, especially in the current state of things going on in America. And it's been... Angering people, should we say? Angering, well, silly people. You know, it's it's kind of it's 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 a very strange thing. It's just I'm like I'm kind of wondering what EA is trying to do. Is it are they just they don't care about what they look like anymore? They're just like, yeah, we're evil. We swallow companies and shut them down and set up patents for predatory tactics. It's just I don't really understand what is going through their brains. Their their PR representative must be having a nightmare right now. It's I money. just don't get it. I, I, but this is this is the thing, though. I mean, obviously, we we're talking about people that are sort of quite heavily invested in the industry. We we know a lot of stuff what's going around, and we also know what we like. But the counterpoint to that is the mass market is stupid, and they will gobble this shit up. <laughs> so it's kind of you know you know we're we're kind of the vocal minority shouting out about this. But mass market really doesn't care and will buy anything that they throw out. And that's the way EA see it. It's like, okay, well, some people don't like us, but a lot more people do, and they will buy literally anything we put in front of them. So at the end of the day, it's a bottom line thing. The other thing to remember, of course, is that ultimately any company that gets bought out ever at some point, I mean, ultimately, what's going to be the fate of any company that gets bought out by any other company? The, the best fate they're ever going to get is all of their employees stripped out and the, the name kept on as a brand. It's just it's so visible with EA because they have the buying power to pick up big names and and absorb them. And they have they have the the buying power and the reputation to take these internal studios, shake them around a bit and then turn them into this big blockbuster studio that everyone knows the name of. True. I mean, Visceral have their reputation not because of something Visceral have done, but, or sorry, they have their reputation because of what they've done at EA. But we we are too, we are possibly too quick and too in this industry to label a collective of people by a, by a label, by, by a name. Uh, it's, it's so easy to not follow individuals. Like with, with, 
with books, it's pretty straightforward. Nobody really knows who the publishers of books are. We don't know the names of the 200, 300 people who work in those buildings. We just know the name of the author and possibly the illustrator on the uh, on the front cover of the book. And when it comes to films, uh, maybe you'll learn the name of the directors and the producers, but we'll never know, learn the name of the boom hands. And they could be in the industry. They could, we could have had some guy work in a boom on our 10 favourite films, and we just won't have figured out what his name was and and with games it's very much the same situation uh a big a, a favorite game of mine from when i was growing up was gangsters organized crime that was hot point interactive i think they were called and they they got bought out by someone with idos before which obviously we know what's happened with idos but uh but yeah they were working with someone and then they just disappeared to the wind and it's it's hard to track down what happened to the designers and the developers there to the people that actually came up with that idea we we uh we we are far too eager to just say yeah that was hot point who made that or yeah that was visceral who made that even if the entire team has turned over two three times and then we shake our fists when when that team is dissolved even if even if that's you know triggers broom or or the axe that you killed me with last summer or whatever the story is yeah no, I, I, I get where you're coming from and yeah i mean it's not one of those things you, you you never hear names, but you'll hear a game come out and it'll say this game from the designers of. So it, I mean, it's I mean, we of... do know some of the names at at Visceral because the uh, lead writer on Uncharted. Uh, I can never remember her name. I'm quite good with names. I can never remember her name. Amy Henning. Henning. Yep. Oh, I got it. Hey, I should be more confident in myself. Well, she she had gone over to to Visceral, and so obviously uh, she was to, with the of the studio and uh, and is now lost to the winds as it were and so we we but we tend to only learn the name of the writers of the uh designers of the producers uh and directors yeah as it turns out actually i did i looked up uh the person who headed up gangsters organized crime and they are quite happily working in ubisoft or awesome maybe a decade 15 years they've just been a a project lead here and there probably worked on some other game that I've picked up, some mobile port or some uh, handheld port. And similarly, uh, Julian Gollop, who came up with XCOM and is synonymous with games and the various other titles that he worked on, he went and worked for Ubisoft and he worked on a few titles there and had a good career, but was a name that was not spoken. You know, people just didn't know, they didn't wheel out Julian Gollop of XCOM fame. We never knew that he was moving around in in the industry. Still, we just thought, oh, maybe he's just having a rough patch until he releases a new XCOM game. But no, he was he was just functioning off somewhere in the studio. They could have shut that studio down seven years ago, and people would have gone, oh, I can't believe you shut down. I don't know whatever it's called, Fireblade, or actually that's probably a real game studio. But yeah, uh, I can't believe you shut down this studio, Ubisoft. That's ridiculous. They made this one game that I loved. But actually, that studio could have a whole bunch of us three consider gaming legends just rattling around in the hall, grabbing coffee in the morning and getting to work. So it's a, it's a strange it's a strange thing. But but yes, companies do come and go. They they turn over. They turn over fast. They uh, may not have even worked on Dead Space, mm-hmm. but we're standing here screaming for the legacy. Well, I think you have a good point. I mean, obviously, it's the game industry. Companies go, companies come. I, I see what you're saying. You know, it, it's it's definitely a, a market where you're kind of constantly moving from company to company to develop a new title. But what I think, and you know, obviously 
I do hope that everybody who worked at Visceral got a new job and they're all good and safe. And a uh, shout out to boom guys that work on movies, apparently. <laughs> but um, uh, I think we're focusing on the wrong thing here. I think what we should be focusing on the fact was that we lost a Star Wars game and we lost it for kind of bullcrap reasons. Excuse my language. Um, the reason that they, I, th- I think from what I kind of gathered from the article, kind of what I've been gathering from the situation was, is that they literally didn't think that a single player Star Wars game was in the nature of Uncharted was they weren't confident in, enough, in it enough to actually do it. So they literally just pulled the plug, like, we're going to do something else. We're going to do something different. And they killed possibly this really awesome project. See, I don't think it's even that. It's it just when it with that it comes down to pure money. I was looking at stats of this, and even if you took a game that got a ridiculous rating and everyone bought it, it would still bring in one tenth of the money of a game that's got microtransactions and loot boxes. They want people coming back again and again and again, and a lot of single player games you don't do that with. You'll play it and you'll move on. If there's reasons to come back, like loot boxes microtransactions, DLCs, you know, uh, season passes, things like that will keep you coming back to the game and keep you feeding it money. But it's Star Wars. I mean, I think if you slap Star Wars on anything, most people would buy it still. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's what I mean. It, it would still sell gangbusters, but still wouldn't make as much money as a multiplayer shooter with microtransactions. Uh, and that's I, what uh, it comes down to at the end of the day. I, I yeah. Uh, it's sad. It sucks. I'm sure all the employees will be fine, as Dan pointed out. But I just, I, I think if if what you're saying is it sucks, because it's basically saying that single player games are now going the way of the dodo, and it sucks. It really kind of sucks. Now, they, I think at a AAA level, yes, you're going to get the occasional outlier like Wolfenstein 2 that bucks the trend and just says, nope, this is single player. Go in, shoot Nazis. End of end of discussion, but I think yeah, at a AAA level, single player is going to go the way of the dodo. It's all going to be online multiplayer stuff now. That's where the big money is, and that's where all the big companies are going to be. Luckily, indie games are getting better and better. Most of the time nowadays, they're indistinguishable from AAA games anyway. So there's plenty of options elsewhere. I mean, we have me and Dan have had this discussion before that the term indie shouldn't even be a term anymore. They're just games designers. Then, you know, they might technically be independent, but all that means is they're not under the thumb of a massive conglomerate. They're just games designers, and they're just games. They don't need the indie title anymore because they're massive. It then becomes very hard to talk about it, but D is a budget thing, yeah, really. Yeah, it is. A lot of the games that are coming out that are still being branded as indie could could be things that have gone through kickstarter or have gone through this or that and have millions behind them so so true indie indie is still people working out of their you know working in the evenings after they finish work but but because that term's been thrown around so much now it's it's hollow it's yeah also uh, it, it brings a, a thought to my mind that with a lot of these indie games that we're seeing now it kind of proves that these massive games don't need to cost that much to make anymore the power that you know you used to have to have massive and massive server farms and all this kind of stuff to do all the rendering and all that kind of stuff you can do it all now on a on a commercial home computer 
you don't need anything special anymore. It's within the grasp of everybody. And, you know, d does every game really need to spend a hundred grand to have Kevin Spacey say hello every now and again? No, you just get someone else to do it instead. Darren Spacey. Well, to kind of wrap it up, you know, a moment of silence for Visceral. They, they made good games. It's a shame they're gone now. I am yeah. sure, I hope that all of them will get will get new jobs and find new new places to work. Uh, the industry is bigger than ever, and hopefully they'll all integrate into their new, and yeah. Yep. Also, to add to that, this will be a hypothetical minute of silence, because dead air on a podcast does not make for a good listening experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> with that, we're going to move on to our next topic, and this was about the Animal Crossing Pocket Camp game that was unveiled via a Nintendo Direct in the past week. Um, George put this question up, up on, the, on the podcast listing, asking if anyone had actually played it. Yes, I have played it. <laughs> or actually, he asked if we'd seen it. Yeah, I didn't actually watch it, but I have got it on my phone. They uh, they did a soft launch in Australia. Um, you live. So, because app apparently Australia is, you know, the way the markets work in Australia is very much like America, just on a much smaller scale. So a lot of things actually get tested out in Australia. Um, and I managed to get hold of the APK and uh, gave it a bit of a play. And it's actually a lot, lot better than I expected it to be, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I, had, I have no knowledge about this game, so it's probably better that you did play it. Tell us about it, Terry. So, I mean, have you played any of the others? Yeah, I played... Uh, I don't remember which one I played, but yeah, I've played a couple of them before. Right, so if you look at screenshots of it, graphically, it looks exactly the same. It's, it is an Animal Crossing game, and you play it very similarly. Um, however, in this case, it's not you're moving into a town and you need to buy a house and then pay back Tom Nook an exorbitant amount of bells to, to pay it off. You actually become the. You actually turn up, and they go, "Ha ha!" The manager of the holiday parks here, and you're like, "What? What?" Uh, so, so basically, that's what you're concentrating on in this. You're the manager of this campsite, um, which you have to build up with different furnitures and all that kind of stuff, and get people to come and stay at it. And instead of having a house, you've got an RV, and you can go inside the RV, and you can <laughs> you can decorate the RV and put furniture and that in there. So it is kind of, they've taken the entire Animal Crossing experience and compressed it down, but even thematically they've compressed it down. And uh, as opposed to having one big open map, you've got, I think there's about six or seven other small campsites that you go and visit. So there's one on the beach where you can do your fishing and get shells and that off the beach like you would do normally. There's one that's a, a foresty one, so you can go off and get the fruits off the trees and things like that. And, yeah, it, it just plays like Animal Crossing. They've added stuff in, like, as a crafting mechanic, so the things that you pick up, um, you know, you get cotton and metal and wood and things, you can use those to craft furniture that you want to decorate your place with. And also, to get people to come and visit your campsite, they, they'll want specific bits of furniture that they like in the campsite for them to come and visit. And, yeah, because, I mean, I was expecting, you know, some little isometric like Simpsons Tapped Out or Farmville or something like that, where you just go, oh, I want to put right. that there, put that there. But it plays like Animal Crossing. It's 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 a great little game. To I mean, I I know, and to be honest, the the first time I played it, I I managed to play it for almost four hours. 
I wasn't waiting for anything like, like so, you'd normally expect on a on a on a mobile game. Yes, there are microtransactions and there are things thank you. that you can That's buy to speed up. Yes, it is there, but it's it's for these things called park tickets. And you know you can use park tickets to speed things up. If you like, if you craft things, it does take time. But I've never, I've not had to craft anything yet. There's been over a minute, so I've not had any worry about it. Um, if you knock fruit off a tree, that takes a couple of hours to regenerate. But to be honest, Animal Crossing was never a game that you felt you had to rush with. Yeah, that's true. So because Animal Crossing was that kind of game where the only thing I can I can kind of sort of equate it to is is when you've got to that really high level in an MMO. And you're going on and you're doing your dailies. You're just popping on, you know, doing a bit of gardening, doing a bit of this, doing a bit of that, logging off. Ten minutes a day and you're and you're and you're done with the thing. And that's exactly what this feels like. It doesn't feel like there's any real need to get these park tickets. And even then, they're very liberal with them. I mean I've I've got over two hundred of the things, they're just throwing them out, and nothing costs very much if you want to use them. It's only if you're in a real rush and you want to rush through something that you'd really want to use them. So I so from that perspective it's it's very well done. They're not really pushing you for it. I've had no real things going, oh, to do this, you need park tickets, buy park tickets. Da, 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 da. It's it's there, but it's in the background. It's not in your face like most mobile games are. So it's it's been really well done. All right, all right, I'm sold. I might check it out. I, I might check it out. It's yeah, really, I mean, it's not coming out until the end of November, I think, on full uh, release. Um, ah. you, you you can if if you've got an Android device at least you can find the APK floating around. Um, so you can jump on early. Yeah, I think that, I think you've got a good point. I mean, uh, Animal Crossing was always a game about you know kind of coming back to it, coming back for the holiday events. It's a game that you played like once a day, or you know, you'd come back to constantly to kind of see what was new, what was happening in town, or if you got any letters from different play people or things like that. So I think I think that's a fair point. I think yeah. that's, that's it sounds I mean. fair. Because that's what I think. In a, in a lot of other games, you might, you know, you've got to put down this new bit of your base, and it goes, "Oh, it's going to take twenty-four hours to build," and you think, "Like, oh no, it's madness." But with Animal Crossing, you're like, "All right, come back tomorrow." That's, that's how I've always played. It was, it's, there's no real difference to it. There's no urgency, and it's completely free. It's not like Mario that you need to buy it to get all the content. It's a completely free to download game. I just think it's funny you live in an RV down by the river. That's just <laughs> sounds weird. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good, and you you know you can get you can get bigger RVs that have got two stories to them, and and all this kind of stuff is it's quite crazy. Uh, yeah, I just like the fact that you know it is it is small. It's for your mobile, but thematically they've made it a lot smaller as well, and it yeah it all works. Very cute little game. Is there an RV with two stories? Man, I'm I'm kind of curious now. Well, you kind of get them ones that have got the sleeping bunks, haven't you? That are higher up. You know, they're sort of in the ceiling, as it were. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cute. It's, it's free to play, and it's pretty cute. Cool. So the last topic uh, for this particular podcast is Patreon cracks down on adult games. Is one you put on there, George? <laughs> Why am I always one bringing up the uh, the adult game sector of, of PC gaming? It's because it's affected you personally, George. <laughs> oh, yes. My campaign has been destroyed because of this. No. Um, yeah, they came down basically with some new rules recently. There's apparently, I didn't know this, there is a huge, like, subsect of Patreon campaigns that are primarily adult games. I, did you guys know that? I didn't know that. I and, didn't know uh, that. I kind of expected it, but... <laughs> like well, I mean, really. apparently it's big business. And, um, recently they put out some, some new rules about those types of games that basically kind of uh, well, for one, it, sh- it kind of temporarily 
shut down some campaigns uh, because essentially was is that they changed the rules for these games that they can't have things like uh, that would necessarily break certain laws. Uh, for instance, incest, bestiality, things that violate laws, even in a fictional sense, are not allowed anymore. So these games, some of them kind of ventured into those kind of weird and very weird areas. Not all of them, mind you, um, but some of them did. So games that did or did not were still kind of shut down temporarily as they were being a quote-unquote review uh, for this. And it's kind of caused a little bit of a backlash in the Patreon community. Yeah, I can see that happening. Because what you you find is that the, the fans of this kind of content are very, very vocal. But also, on the flip side, this is actually quite a brave move from Patreon. Why is that? Well, like with a lot of this stuff, there's there's probably a big market for this stuff <laughs> amongst the perverts of the internet. And surely something like this would hurt their bottom line. So for them to go, go ahead and do this, I think is quite a brave move because there is clearly money to be made with these kind of games. But Patreon are just strictly saying no go. We're not. We're not getting involved in that. And I think from a company standpoint, that's quite good. They're not just going. We want money, 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 money. They're saying no. We don't want your money. We don't know where it's been. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's true. That's a very that's a fairly interesting point. A lot of people are also pointing to does this count as a form of censorship? And I mean, ultimately, I, I think you're right. I think Patreon has the right to call that shot. If you're on their platform, they make the rules. Uh, even if it is, you know, censorship, or if not, or if it is or isn't, I don't, I don't have a stance on it. I don't really care. But um, a lot of people are kind of saying that. And I think you're right. I think it's it's it is brave of Patreon because this is it is going to affect their bottom line. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be taking money out of their pockets because people are going to move along. Yeah. At the, at the at the same time, though, it does kind of give them a good face. It's like okay, uh, well, you know, they they don't support this kind of content that I personally find disgusting. So that to me now they're a good company. That's cool with me. I might use them in the future, or you know, use them for different you know, YouTubers or whatever. Subscribe to. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, when it, when it comes to the policy change, I get it, and I think that was what was. I don't have an argument with that. I think what what kind of was unfortunate um, is that this kind of hit pretty much everybody instead of individual people. Is it kind of hit all of these these campaigns? Hit all these these Patreons. And now they have to go through this review process and they're missing out essentially on their money. They're missing out on their, you know, what they're doing while this is all happening. Yeah. Which very true. Which, He's got which to affect sucks. some legitimate people. And I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to call the people at the creators of these, these weird games illegitimate, but let's just say they're not standard kind of games, are they? But well, I, some people I mean, are going to get caught up in it, I would imagine. Hey, hey, there's a, there's a niche for everybody. I'm I'm not here to judge. <laughs> yeah, no, ag- agreed. I mean, yeah, like you say that it it does think a bit of censorship, but depending on what it is, it it would need to be shut down. You you can't be a company seen to be promoting, you know, incest or child porn or bestiality. You you can't the, really right. No matter what the the censorship people say, you know, generally it's considered a bad thing. So we're going to follow that. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm kind of shocked by in all this is that I thought, to be honest with you, I kind of thought these would, would be already, these rules would already be in place. I was kind of shocked by that aspect as well. I'm like, what, isn't that kind of common sense? I don't know. I mean, I just... You would imagine so. but Because, uh, I mean, Patreon's not that old. 
it's a fairly new thing only the last few years i would have imagined um so i'm guessing you know when a when a company puts out something like this like you can use us to take donations from people but like you just want to cast as wide a net as possible you you don't really want to put any real restrictions on it because you want to get that massive influx of users initially and this is now kind of a reaction it's just like okay right well now we're just going to start piecing off this 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 we, we don't want you that's disgusting please get that away from us <laughs> And now they're just sifting for it. It's like YouTube with the advertising thing. You know, they, they yeah. bring, you know, it's an open, you can do anything you want. And then they go, oh, maybe not. You're bad. We don't want advods on that. And then, you know, that initial period will screw up a lot of legitimate people. But then gradually it will come together and it will get to a, a nice equilibrium and it will be in the right place. It, it's yeah it's <laughs> uh, it just it does make me kind of what like what were they getting away with before like what was happening don't go looking you'll want to i'm not i'm not out. i don't want to be arrested by the fbi thank you <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think that's all i have to say on that unless dan has anything to add <laughs> i think these things should be uh should have really been checked before and when you make a platform like that anything that's going to be risky and so by association you could be you know responsible you you should really be on the outlook for stuff like that you know when you set up a company in my opinion (laughs) business that epic sigh right there and i think that kind of just says it all (laughs) that does say it all but that's it really all right. Well, last thing, I don't want to be the. I don't want. To, I'm not bringing up any more adult business stuff unless somebody else does. Dang it! I'm tired of bringing it up. Fair enough. Well, that that was the last topic. That brings us to the the end of the podcast. That's goodbye from Dan. Bye. And it's goodbye from George. Bye. <laughs>